1: This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tressida on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is the founder and owner of Piccolina Gelateria, Sandra Fondi. We talk about the importance of self-belief, the precision required to make gelato, and how for Sandra, business has always been on the brain. It feels
0: like summer when you've got a gelato in your hand. It's a little sweet treat that doesn't cost a lot of money. You can kind of have it with friends and gelato makes people happy in
1: general. Sandra Foddy founded gelato store Piccolina. There are now six stores around Melbourne. Let's find out more about it. When did you start Piccolina? So I started
0: Piccolina in 2015 in December. And why did you start Piccolina? I think at the time it was just I really wanted to figure out whether I could run a business myself. I've grown up in a really entrepreneurial family with pretty much every member of my family starting a business at one point or another or starting multiple businesses. My dad was incredible in that way and he, he would just, you know, have an idea and start a business while running three or four other businesses. And so that was not really something scary or strange for me. And I had, even started a couple of businesses over my time growing up and sort of into adulthood as well and so after probably working in one of our family businesses for about 15 or 16 years I just kind of went you know what I think I need to to do something of my own in a more serious way and
1: yeah that was kind of the catalyst for starting the business. What were the other businesses that you started previously? Oh, well,
0: the very, very fair sign. It's very cute when I look back at it. I was 11 years old and I started a company called the Twinkles Company and I borrowed $500 from Dad, which I paid back. I paid every cent back. I would make photo albums and gift cards and all these kinds of things and I would photograph them and take them to shops and show these shops what I'd created and they were picked up by about three or four stores and I would come home from school and I would make these things and then fill the orders for the stores and the stores would sell them. I know it was quite funny and the stores would sell them and I'd done because back then like there was no Instagram or anything like that but I'd set everything up and photograph it and put it all into an album and that was like my um catalogue and so everything had a code and everything the customer would order, you know, five of code one, two, three or whatever it was. And I've still got this album and I look back on it now and I'm like, I can't believe I was eleven years old and I would make this stuff and people would actually buy it. So I did that for about a year and a half and I made about three thousand dollars. And then That's I was like I, I need to give this up now. I need to move on. And so that was that was the very first taste of a business and my parents are really supportive it was it, I look back and yeah they were really encouraging and supportive and then the next business I studied graphic design and I finished my degree and went and worked for a couple of different graphic design studios in Melbourne and I would just bring to them loads and loads and loads of customers clients Because I would meet people and just speak really passionately about what we did and had a way of kind of not convincing, but sort of, I guess, selling what we did. And so I brought a whole lot of customers to the studios that I worked for and then kind of thought, oh, you know what, I reckon I could um, do this myself. So I opened a studio and serviced a whole lot of clients through that studio for about three years and then after that my sister opened Hub Furniture and she had this huge beautiful showroom on Exhibition Street in the, the in the city and she started out like everyone who starts their own business just sort of slogging away one man band kind of thing and I remember walking in there once and she's like oh my god thank god you're here have you come to work from here for the day and I was like oh yeah yeah I have I have but I was actually just you know, dropping in to say hello and I said to her you know what I'm working by myself in a you know in a studio with a, I've got a stack of freelancers and I said why don't I just move my stuff here can you give me a little corner somewhere and I'll work out of this beautiful showroom with some of the most amazing furniture in the world and lighting it was just absolutely gorgeous I said I'll work from here kind of keep you company. I was doing all, all her branding stuff anyway. And I'm like, you know, we can just be together and hang out. And she's like, yes, 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 let's do that. And so I moved across there. And then that business, it was just flying. It was doing, you know, so well from day one. And I just kind of got absorbed into that business. And as I said, I was working on all the branding for Hub. And so that became just like a major project. And I ended up giving up I probably kept two other customers, but I gave up all the small ones and just my focus was on hub. And then I, it was there that I just discovered how much I loved interior design and, and the other and other parts of design and and just kind of honed my skills there working in a larger team as it grew, managing sales staff, really getting into the sales side of, of the business as well. I don't know, it just it just used to flow every single time with every customer. It just It wasn't something forced, it was just a discussion that kind of ebbed and flowed and I'd end up doing these huge projects and being able to actually kind of be the interior designer on the project choosing fabric and mixes and colors and stains and all these different amazing things that was a really important step between the graphic design but then sales but marketing but also all the branding stuff and kind of just seeing a business go from one person which was my sister kind of in the showroom when they opened to, you know, 50 plus staff members and all the growing pains that come with that. So that was a really big run up to opening Picolina in a serious
1: way. So Sandra was always interested in business and in many ways it's in her blood. But how did she settle on gelato as her business? Was it always
0: gelato for her? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything in design again, but I was searching for something that I could make my own. and. I wanted to do something in hospitality, but I'm not a chef. And so I didn't want to open a restaurant or a cafe where I had to have a chef working for me. I wanted to create the product that I was going to make. So as I was sort of searching and thinking about what I could do, gelato just sort of came to me and it was something that has been sitting right under my nose for many, many, many years. So we grew up making gelato at home. My dad learned how to make gelato in Italy and he used to make it at home for us at Christmas and at Easter and for birthdays and special family events like that. And he used to say, if anything goes you know really terribly wrong if there's another recession because of course he lost everything in the first recession back in the 80s and he always had a contingency plan and it was if anything happens I know how to make gelato the traditional way from scratch it's really unique and it's really incredible I know how to make it and make it really well and if something goes bad I can open a gelateria and the family will be fine because he's for Philosophy was well, you know, you might not be able to go and afford a four hundred dollar dinner, but you can certainly put aside twenty dollars or thirty dollars and take the family out for a gelato, and it makes everybody feel really happy when times are tough. And so that was just kind of sitting there. The idea of a gelateria just kind of came to me because I had this incredible knowledge of making gelato in a unique way that wasn't happening in Melbourne at the time. And I thought, right, I can actually actually perfect yeah 18 flavors or 15 flavors or whatever it is I can perfect those flavors and then it's just about consistency and creating a product that is really really beautiful every single time and it is the best that you can get in this country at it was at the time the best you know the best that you could get no one was doing anything like that and so I thought well that's the point of difference something really unique and special that I can bring to the to, to Melbourne and at the time I a knew how special what we did at home was because I had a stack of friends who were like oh my god this is amazing and dad would make these 500 mil tubs of gelato and if you got one of them you knew that you were really special you knew you were a special (laughs) friend so he would we would you know be like here's a little 500 mil tub you know you you can have it but this is really you know everyone was told this is really special and you're really lucky that you're getting you're getting one and so it was pretty coveted and so I thought I don't think my friends are lying. I think they think it's pretty good. And I think it's incredible. And I reckon that if I put it out there, other people will notice the
1: difference. And they'll care as well. I asked Sandra whether her dad is the one who taught her how to make gelato.
0: Yeah, I was taught by him just through watching him make it over the years. Not so much that he sort of taught me how to do it. He learned how to make it through a gelato chef who, you know, because the art of making gelato is really complex. It's not just like making a sauce where you go know, put a bit more salt or a bit more parsley or whatever. It, it's really precise, and so there are recipes that you need to follow to the gram. And if you muck it up, then thing really, you know, it really you really see the consequences in the gelato the next day. He taught me, I guess, how to follow the recipes that he had, but actually how to balance the gelato and how to do that. He had all of that knowledge, and although he did sort of broadly teach me. When I went to open the Gelateria, I I had to do a whole lot of study of my own. And I did that overseas with a mentor. So I had to do a whole lot of study of my own to take what we did at home and explode that up into selling on a larger scale.
1: So you mm. do make the gelato now as well? Well, I started off
0: making, I, was, I mean, look, I'm really hands-on in the business in general. So across all areas of the business, but I don't physically make the gelato anymore. Like we've got 10 pastry chefs who work for us in the kitchen. My executive head chef is incredible. She really steers the ship. So although I'm not physically making it myself anymore, I'm very much a part of what happens behind the scenes.
1: You have to start somewhere. So, and Mm. then it's like, I guess, a credit to how well the business is going that you don't need to make it anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, we have multiple shifts to fill how much gelato we need to produce to fill six stores so it's not just so once I'd get in in the morning and I would make my gelato for the Hawthorne store and then I'd do paperwork and then I'd clean and then I'd take out the bins and then I'd yeah I was kind of doing absolutely everything but you can't grow a business that way and it's sort of what everybody does when they start out you have to sort of be a jack of all trades and get your hands dirty but as a business grows you need to also be able to step back and delegate and teach and mentor and lead and that's what I've had to do but even though I do that I still really love to be really close to the business and really close especially to the product I mean that's really key obviously for us.
1: Here I spoke to Sandra about the important stuff, how she settles on her flavours. I noted that she did mention her business model was about keeping it traditional.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I've, I've specifically kept it that way. So you see a lot of different flavor combinations and diff, different things that people are doing. And sometimes you can sort of be influenced by that, but I've kind of almost put my blinkers on and I don't look at what other people are doing. I just focus on what we're doing. And that is really traditional gelato flavors that have been around since the beginning of time. And they'll probably be around for another 100 years. So just beautiful, simple ingredients and let those ingredients really shine through because we spend so much time creating everything that goes into every flavour. So I want you to be able to taste the ingredients rather than the topping. That's how we
1: came up with the flavours. I've yeah. got to say my favorite gelato is hazelnut and that's yours is so yum <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you yeah. you should try it. we just got a panna machine it's like a cream whipped cream and that's what they they put on top of gelato in more traditionally in the south of Italy and that takes hazelnut to a whole new level so yeah. next time you come in ask for the whipped cream on top it sounds indulgent but it. I mean if you're having gelato
1: you may as well go all out I think absolutely I also I also got one of your gelato cakes for my birthday. I've got to say, just oh, a casual you? big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so now I've spilled the beans on being a big Piccolina fan, I can get back to business. I wanted to know what Sandra thinks is to praise for the success of her business. I think that the gelato, if I'm talking about Picolina as a business, gelato
0: is one part of the business so i think the success of picolina has been that the brand resonates with our customers and people want to be a part of it that you know it comes down to everything around the business and the brand. So the beautiful fit outs that we do, the vibe in the store, the customer service, that's all part of why I think it's been successful, but obviously the gelato is a major factor in that. And I think part of what I've always wanted to do was make sure that we maintain the quality of the gelato so that it is exactly the same as it was from day one, if not better. So I'm always trying to improve, make sure that we get better machinery or better techniques or, you know, better ingredients so that the gelato is always the same in any store that you go to, no matter how big we get, that that gelato is is always fantastic and delicious. So that's really key for us.
1: It seems that Sandra has found the recipe for success, having now an ever expanding business. I asked more about whether Sandra knew this is where she was headed. We know that you have always wanted to own and operate a business and that you worked towards that and sort of gained knowledge about business and marketing and operations through working with your sister for years. Has owning your own business now been exactly what you expected? I don't think I had any
0: expectation. I think you
1: just throw, well, the way I am,
0: I just throw myself into it. I decide what I'm going to do, I do it, and then figure it out later. I kind of just don't really think too much about how it will be or what will happen. Or if you do that, you kind of start procrastinating and you don't do anything. Like I did a talk once a couple of years ago and somebody put their hand up and asked me how long it took me to study the four p's of something of marketing or something or other and I was like well what are the four p's I don't even know what that is what are the four p's and he's like oh you know place position or something like product or whatever and he rattled this off and I just said well I don't I didn't sit down and write a marketing plan or write a business plan or you know I've got my business plan in my head and I'm just I know what I want to do and I just go and execute it so Was it what I expected? I didn't really have an expectation. I just knew that I'd made the decision to open a gelateria. I'd signed the lease. I got the machinery and then it was time to figure out how to actually make it happen. And I just threw myself in the deep end and it was sink or swim. And you just have to swim. Like sinking is not an option. So, you know, there have obviously been huge challenges and sometimes I walk through the kitchen in Collingwood and I'm like, oh my God, who would have ever thought I would have had had all these freezers and all this machinery and what on earth have I created? I have those moments of like, what on earth have I done? But they're just like moments where you stand back for one second and go, oh my God, this is incredible. And then of course you just get swept across to another, you know, something else and you just keep going about your business. But there've been moments where I'm like, oh yeah, this is incredible. I didn't expect this and moments where, yeah, I'm just really humbled by the support that we get. What's your favorite thing about what you do? There are so many favorite moments. The whole thing is just so much fun. I remember having a conversation with my dad once and I said to him, Dad, why can't you just be like other dads where you have a hobby, you play golf, so then I've got something I can give you for Father's Day because I really just don't know what to give you and you don't have any hobbies. I can't buy you golf balls. What am I going to get you? And he's like, my hobby. And I said, why do you work so much? And he said, because I love it. work is my hobby. If I didn't have this, I would have nothing. And he used to say, getting up and going to work is not a chore for me. I absolutely love it. And now that I've got my business, I feel exactly the same way. I can completely relate to that conversation because it's like a hobby. I just love it so much. It doesn't feel like work. I love the challenge that the business presents every day. I don't see challenges as a problem. I see them as an opportunity to find a solution and I love problem solving. There's always an answer there's always an answer to a question or there's always a solution to a problem. So for me, it's just the thrill of the chase, the challenge of the business, seeing how far I can push it, creating something new, seeing how people react to it, seeing how successful it is. It's like a challenge. Um, It's sort of like a, a competition with myself, if that makes sense, like to create something new and interesting. Like when we create a cake for an event or the easter eggs we made for easter the gelato easter eggs and i was just blown away i mean the design was gorgeous the product was beautiful and customers they just flew out the door i just couldn't believe how many we sold it was like oh my god it's exciting to see that to see it all come together i guess i've kind of spoken about loads of different things that excite me it's not just one thing it's everything put together This has been a lot of hard work. This has been five years of not just working, you know, 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week or 80 hours a week, you know, this has been five years of consistently working around the clock to get to where we are today. And we don't have investors or backers or anything. It's it's just me working really, really hard and making some really good decisions, but it, it all comes from the heart. And I think that the customer can feel that and sense that. I hope they can, because the business really does come from a personal place.
1: Do you think you'll be doing this forever? Well, the last
0: five years have flown. so. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else in the near future. I'd love to keep going. There are so many more things that I'd love to do with the business. So forever, who knows? There are no plans to to stop doing it, so
1: why not? With no plans to slow down and an ever-growing fleet of gelaterias, I asked Sandra what she would tell someone with an idea like hers, someone thinking of starting their own business. I would tell them to
0: make sure that the idea that they have really resonates with them and that they listen to their gut. And if their gut says, I've got a great idea, then they should just go out, push the button and just start it, not procrastinate about it, not sit down and write a million business plans, not ask a million people what they think, trust their own instinct and go out and just do it.
1: That's what I would say. Sandra did just do it. She had an idea and a passion and she made it her reality. Before we finished up chatting, I wanted some inside knowledge. What's something about gelato people wouldn't know? People probably wouldn't
0: know how precise you need to be. So if a recipe says 110 grams of sugar, that's what you need to put into it. You can't put in 109 or 112, it's 110. So you need to be really precise. And I think they probably wouldn't know the sheer amount of effort that goes into producing a natural 100% natural gelato. And I didn't even really appreciate that myself. When we started out, it's one thing to produce gelato for one shop, but to produce it then for six and to stay true to the vision, which was to or which is to create everything from scratch. To do that, you you really need to make a huge commitment to that. So that's been a big challenge. When you
1: first started, did you ever anticipate that you would have six stores around Melbourne? Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe not six,
0: maybe not three and then another three within 3 months. I didn't anticipate <laughs> that at all. Yeah. But when I started out, in my head, I wanted to my aim, my personal goal was to open 5 in 5 years, and I've exceeded the goal, so it was 6 in 5 years, which is really good. So yeah, I always
1: had that that goal and objective. Sandra always aimed to expand from the very beginning but maybe not as quickly as it actually did. I wondered if COVID and the lockdowns in some ways positively affected her business. This pandemic
0: has shown the power of a gelato. I know that sounds really funny, but it is a really powerful thing. People are just happy when they come and get an ice cream. And that's a big part of our job, to make people happy. So they walk into the store they're getting an ice cream is a moment in time where they can just forget all their problems and just have a delicious little treat. That's really important. And, and as I said, that's been really powerful, or that was during all the lockdowns that we had and you know, the difficult winter and the last eight months. It's just shown me how important what we do really is to people's lives. Right through the part of the lockdown, everything else is closed. And people just come in and get a scoop and just sort of tell us about how they've just been sitting in front of their computer for three hours and I just needed to get out and get a breath of fresh air and I've been thinking about getting an ice cream all morning and (laughs) here they are and they kind of tell you about what's going on in their lives and get their ice cream and off they go and they're just happy you can see their faces when they leave it's like oh this is really good. So that's been pretty special. I think, you know, when you were talking about is there anything that surprised me about the business or anything that I didn't expect? And I think that was something that I didn't completely appreciate was how happy gelato makes people.
1: What a fun thing to find out. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Especially Like I said, especially over the last
0: eight months or so, to be able to be that for people. And the messages we got on Instagram and Facebook, you know, please don't close over winter, please don't close during the lockdown. We need to, you know, we need our piccolina fixed, or messages just of thanks for staying and sticking with it right through and messages of support. It was really incredible. It was
1: really humbling. It's fantastic to hear about the power of gelato and the connection with people it inspired. To close out this week's episode, I'll leave you with Sandra and why she thinks gelato is so very lovable. People love gelato because
0: it just brings happiness. It feeds back to their sort of their childhood memories of going to get an ice cream with their grandparent or their dad or in summer, you know, with the family holidays. I think it's a moment of joy.
1: I'd like to thank Sandra Foti for taking the time to chat to me about Piccolina. It was really inspiring to hear how hard work and a vision can really blossom into huge success. And of course, some great recommendations on how to upgrade your favourite scoops. If you want more info about Piccolina, head to piccolinagelateria.com.au. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That? with Emily Tressida. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email that at joy.org.au.